I've been in the business continuity and resilience industry for over 20 years, and I still make it a point to be like a sponge and try to learn something new every day. That approach is even more critical for those who are new to the industry. Hello everyone, and welcome to episode 47, as the Resilience Think Tank presents the Resilient Journey podcast. I'm your host, Mark Hoffman, and my guest this week is friend and co-conspirator, James Green. Listen as James introduces the spotlight of the Resilience Think Tank in Q3, the next generation of resilience professionals. James and I cover five things that new professionals can do to broaden their horizons, why it's okay to change your point of view, and the value of taking a long-term view of your life and your career. And it wouldn't be an interview with James Green if there wasn't a controversial moment. So join us after we hear this from Ashley. Welcome to the Resilience Think Tank. I'm Ashley Guzman, and along with my co-founders, we created the Resilience Think Tank in 2021, dedicated to providing independent guidance and research to the risk and resilience industry. As founders, we're based in Canada, the United Kingdom, and the United States, and have a combined experience of over 87 years of helping organizations to become resilient. We are committed to ensuring diverse voices are included in making communities and organizations more resilient. I hope you'll join us. James, welcome back to the podcast. You know you're always welcome here. It's good to have you. Um, do a quick introduction. I mean, I think everybody knows you, but it's always good to uh, start off with that. Mark, thank you. Yes, uh, I think the last time we spoke on the record was last September. Obviously, you and I speak all the time, constantly. Both of our wives would probably be scared if they knew how much we talk. But uh, my name is James Green. I am the co-founder of Illuminate Advisory and along with yourself, one of the co-founders of the Resilience Think Tank. Good. Thanks for, for being here. And that's what we want to talk about today is the Resilience Think Tank and some exciting things that are happening in the third quarter. At the Think Tank, what we try to do is uh, focus on a different spotlight every quarter. So tell us a little bit about what to expect from the Resilience Think Tank in Q3. Yeah, sure thing. So uh, the quarterly spotlight this quarter is the next generation of resilience professionals. So most of our profession, Mark, looks like you, looks like me, is our age. One of the tenets of, of the think tank is on the next generation. So we really want to spotlight that this quarter. We're going to have webinars. We're going to have a video series, blog posts, speaking engagements. I might even drag you on to TikTok. And we're going to do some interviews with people who are just starting their journey in our profession. So if anyone in your audience or listening or watching this has suggestions for us, please email Mark. We'd love to hear them. And one of the things we're going to do next week is you and Ashley will actually be publishing an article called, So You're New to the Resilience World. Yeah. You know, before I get to the to the article, I want to just kind of compliment you on the idea of this next generation. You know, one of the things that happens to all of us, it happened to you, it happened to me, and it happens to so many people, the more people we talk to, is that people wake up one morning and find themselves knee deep in the business continuity or resilience profession. And what we want to do with this is we want to build that next generation to be strong leaders and to be able to leave the industry in good hands. 
to that point, this article uh, talks about the fact that, you know, so many of us probably went through a little bit of imposter syndrome at the beginning, uh, almost a little bit of fake it until you make it kind of an approach. And so we lay out 10 tips, 10 things that we think that young professionals could be doing to just get more familiar with the industry and to get stronger. For example, connecting with like-minded people, build that network, get out there and be assertive uh, in, in building relationships with people. Cause that's really the secret, isn't it? To this industry is to build relationships. Absolutely. People are the most critical aspect of our industry and the people, you know, and the people who know you will largely determine your success in our industry. You know who does that on our team probably better than any of us is Milena Maneva. Yes. You, you think about it. So, and off the top of my head, I don't remember how long she's been in the industry, but she is very active in the BCI. She's active in the Women in Resilience group. She gets involved in different projects. She's always out there doing different things. And, you know, you don't have to be a, a social media superstar like Milena is to, to be successful, but that's the secret sauce get out there, meet people, do things. And that's the kind of thing we talk about uh, in the article, which at the time of the release of this podcast, this article would have just gone out uh, so they can go to resiliencethinktank.com and look for it. Absolutely. So Mark, as you know, I always try to do half the work that you do uh, with maybe only two thirds of the results, not sure. So your article, your and Ashley's article, you guys talk about 10 things. So what I have for you today are five things outside of your article that I think the people new to our profession should focus on. So before you get to the five things, let's give some advice to people, as you like to put it, our age. I don't think we're exactly the same age, but I'll take the compliment. Um, okay. <laughs> and I appreciate it. So, all right, let's say you're listening to the podcast right now and you've been doing this for 10, 15 years. And you're like, okay, this doesn't apply to me. Don't turn this off. Listen to what we're going to talk about over the next few minutes, and then point this to someone, share this with someone who could benefit from it, because the responsibility for the next generation of resilience professionals lies with all of us. And so here's what you can do to, to encourage that next generation, share the information, share what you know. Absolutely. I encourage everyone who's listening, if, if you're a, a Gen X or a boomer, definitely take this information and use it to mentor someone in our profession. Even if you know this information, uh, people you're mentoring probably do not. And if you're not mentoring someone, I'm going to challenge you to find a mentee. It's one of the most rewarding things I do in my career. I learn as much from my mentees, probably more. I learn probably more from my mentees than they learn from me. They're, they're fantastic two-way relationships. That's a really good point because Younger people are going to bring a whole different perspective. And that's why we talk so much about diversity in the workforce, because different points of view add value to the program. Absolutely. Okay, Boomer. So go ahead with uh, with your, <laughs> your list of five there. Gen X here with my slacker list of five. So the first thing uh, that's not one, because I don't follow directions very well, but I actually gave some controversial advice when I was on your podcast the last time. So if anybody wants step zero, they're going to have to go back and listen to that first 
that first episode that you and I did together. But my first item is know what your organization does. It really uh, blows my mind how many people in our profession do not understand what the mission of their organization is, or if they're a for-profit, how they actually make money. And if you can align your resilience program with your organization, you are not going to be effective. So that's always the first question I ask people. What do you do? What does your organization do? Do you know this? And, you know, honestly, I would say about half the people have really no idea how their organization runs day to day or why. So let me get you to break that down a little bit then. Um, So we talk about know what your organization does. Is that you talking about gather information that you would normally get in a business impact analysis, or are you looking at it differently? Yeah, you could go to that level, but I would just, you know, most people at the start, they should know, hey, our company produces X Mm. and sells it in these markets, maybe just at a superficial level, or we are a nonprofit who serve this specific aspect of the community. I think it's, it's really something, it seems really simple, but it's, it's the thing most missing when I, when I speak to younger people that they don't fully understand what their organization does. And, you know, to be successful, you want to align what you do at your job and with your program to what your, your organization does. I like it. What's number two? Number two. Okay. So in your article, you're going to, people who read, you're going to hear or read a lot about relationships. So I want to look at some different types of relationship. So the second thing is to build relationships at your employer with people outside of your department. Again, I find it's very easy when you start a new job, you spend time just with your department, you go to lunch with just your department, and that really limits you in any career But it especially limits you in our career because you do not succeed in our field without buy-in from stakeholders who are most often not even your manager in your line of management at all. Most uh, resilience programs live or die based on how other people think of them. And if you're not, if they don't know who you are, you're not going to succeed. So I want you to build relationships inside your employer but with people outside of your management chain or outside of your department. Ideas like grabbing coffee with a coworker, maybe going to lunch, doing some different things like that. And it doesn't necessarily have to all be work-related. You can build build some personal relationships here too. Absolutely. A lot of companies these days that use um, Slack have all kinds of maybe non-work-related channels. So if they're just like a hobby, if there's channels in the, in your, your Slack organization that interests you, join those channels. If there's things that your organization does for the community that you like, do that. So this isn't just solely about climbing the corporate ladder. This is about connecting with people that you're aligned with, that you want to learn more from, but that also aren't the same three people that you are on your stand-up meetings every morning. And the value there is when you do come across some of these folks in a business setting, they're going to be like, oh, that's James. I had coffee with James the other day, or James helped me at the community (laughs) event where we we ran the 5K to support so-and-so and and this and that. And uh, so the relationships really help do, they, they really do help go a long way. And it also gives you a sounding board for things that you're 
building in your program and ties back to the first item of know what your business does. So I haven't seen your list yet, so I don't know if I'm going to step on your toes, but it also helps you to build allies, doesn't it? Correct. Absolutely. Uh, allies are important in any, like I said, in any career, in any field, but especially in ours, because often, again, those decision makers may not know you. And it's so interesting how often I go into a company uh, and work with their resilience team and the executives don't really know who they are. And that's, that's a huge miss because who's your advocate for you when it, when it's time for funding, when it's time for initiatives, you know, who's, who's advocating the things that need to be done in terms of business continuity and resilience. We're really hitting this one kind of hard, but one last point on this to put a bow on it. A lot of times at those corporate events, you'll see the executives come by and they're, they're generally engaged at one level or another and building that relationship with the executives in a setting like that really does go a long way when it comes time to having that professional relationship too. So that's good. Exactly. All right. Number three. Number three. So I want you to build relationships outside of your employer with people who do not work in resilience at all. Uh, I am not in this field without two people who I worked with years ago, two great friends and mentors of mine, Matt Linky and Jim Rollo. They're not in risk. They're not in resilience. They're not in business continuity. They got me my first job in this field. And I don't have this career without them. And I don't have this career if I didn't know them. Um, so as, as a young professional, as you're growing your career, I want you to to tie, you know, and build those relationships with people in completely different fields. Uh, a lot of people just like, oh, I, I spend time with my ACP chapter or I network with people at BCI. You need to get outside of our profession to have a wider view of, you know, how the world works, of how business works. But also, you never know those people who become your friends and mentors open doors for you. So where number two was building relationships at the job and could be a lot more social, number three is going to be a little bit more professionally focused, would you say? Absolutely. Absolutely. So this is where if you, if you volunteer your, your community or if you're in a networking group, there's all kinds of avenues to interact with people that aren't in your traditional circle. And I think it's so important to expand your network, again, not from a what can I get from it standpoint, but it, it, it broadens your worldview, interacting with more people broadens who you are as a person. And then again, like I said, the bonus sometimes is it'll, they'll open doors for you. You didn't even know you had the potential to walk through. Yeah. And so it doesn't have to be necessarily an in-person kind of a thing too. the with different tools that are out there, whether it's LinkedIn or something like that, you can broaden your horizon there as well. Absolutely. In this day and age, I have friends and colleagues and clients that I've never met. I've never met, uh, for your audience, you and I have never met in person and nope. I've known you for three years now. And we have, uh, you know, we founded the, the, the think tank and we're friends and all of that has come digitally. So yeah, it does not, not, does not require to be in person. Yeah. Talking about mentor mentee, I was involved in a relationship like that with uh, someone from New Zealand. So, I mean, and I'm in uh, just North of Toronto, so not exactly next door neighbors. We otherwise never would have met. Uh, I like that. All right. Number four. 
Number four, so I want you to be uh, involved in reading websites and books and podcasts, again, not in your field. There are a ton of great risk and resilience websites, books, and podcasts. You are listening to one of them right now. Thank you. But I want you to be experiencing that media and growing and learning outside of your your field as well. Uh, It's my experience when people only stay in their field at all times, you can definitely become an expert, but your views become myopic. And when things start to change, you miss them or you miss the opportunity to change yourself. Uh, The views I have now around business continuity and resilience are completely different than they were five years ago or completely different than they were the five years before that. And that's not just due to the incidents that I have been involved with or run or the people in our network. It's, It's experiencing other types of leadership thoughts of you. It's growing as a person and as a professional, not just as a resilience professional. So I'm going back to this social versus professional question again. So for this one, reading websites, podcast, listening to podcasts and and reading articles outside of your business continuity role, but still in a professional setting. Is that what you're, is that what you're after here? Well, you know, personally and professionally, but for the purposes of what you and I are talking about, yeah, let's just stick to professional. There are so many podcasts out there not devoted to true crime. And I love true crime podcasts, uh, but there's all kinds of things. I listen to stuff on marketing and diversity and supply chain. Uh, And if you're looking for very high return on investment, Harvard Business Review website, is about $80 a year. MIT's Sloan Management website, about $100 a year. If you have $200, those two things will change your life. I recommend them to everyone. There's just so much knowledge from so many different areas that come into play with organizations like that, for example. And those are just two paid examples. There's tons of podcasts, books, websites out there that are totally uh, you know, free and not behind paywalls. Let me give you a practical tip of why this is such a good point. Uh, You don't have to go way out of your lane. Like if we're in business continuity, you don't suddenly have to start reading engineering articles, but you can stay sort of uh, on the fringe of what we do. So for example, learn as much as you can about cyber and cyber response and cybersecurity in general, or uh, crisis communications, maybe in your role, particularly if you're young in your role, you're not maybe that involved in crisis management or crisis communications. Um, you mentioned marketing, and that's kind of what got me thinking about it is learn as much as you can about public relations and things like that, because it's those groups that you're going to reach out to and get help and support from at time of crisis. And if you know a little bit about where they're coming from, that's hugely beneficial to you in your career. Absolutely. And these, you know, this number four, these, these, these learning experiences and number three, these people outside your profession, our profession is always changing. So five years ago, maybe one in 20 of us was talking about cyber and nobody was talking about supply chain and nobody was talking about, about uh, climate risk and nobody was talking about DEI. And now you have these things that are huge pillars of resilience that didn't exist And most of those ideas came from outside of the resilience profession. Yeah, there you go, young professionals. There's a whole bunch of different topics there that you can get into. All right, number five. 
All right. So number five. So I mentioned at the top of your broadcast that you and I discussed something controversial in the first episode. So I have to, of course, finish with another controversial piece of advice for you. Uh, Always assess if your organization is investing in you, because if they don't invest in you in the long run, I will ask you, why are you investing in them? Uh, it's, you know, many jobs, unfortunately are transactional and, and I work and mentor with people who stay at a company too long because they say, oh, they're going to take care of me. But look at that investment as a two-way thing. You invest and grow with your company, your organization, if they invest in you and allow you to grow. And if they're not investing in you over time, I would ask why it's one way in the direction. Long time ago, I had an employer say to me, never make your job or your your employer your number one priority because they can't reciprocate that. They're never going to make you their number one priority. Absolutely. Now you're not getting all anti-work on me here, are you? Hashtag. No, I'm not getting I'm not getting all anti-work, but there is a large vendor in an adjacent space that is hugely profitable and last month decided to lay off 50% of their employees. Mm. And a lot of the people that I know who work there are completely stunned that a profitable growing company dumped half their employees. So I'm not, I'm not an anarchist, but I'm saying, you know, when you tie your identity to your specific job, or again, people who are well-known within a company. And I was one of those people a few employers ago. Within a company, everybody knew who I was. And then when I left there, nobody knew who I was and I had to start over. Uh, And those really hurt your career. So I want everyone to do a good job and and work hard. But if your employer's not investing in you or taking advantage of you, then you should reconsider that relationship, just as you should any relationship, any relationship where you're being taken advantage of, or it's not mutual. Why are you in that relationship? Yeah. And it goes back uh, just three episodes ago um, when I interviewed Michelle Turner and she was talking about one time she was faced with an apparent layoff situation and it really caught her by surprise. And what she learned coming out of that was you better have a strategy. You need to have a strategy of where you want to take your career And don't be so tied to the one employer that your world is just destroyed if you happen to lose that. Exactly. One of the things that jumped out at me as I think about these five things is we're asking our young colleagues to broaden their horizons. You think about what you said. Okay, know what your organization does, learning more, right? Uh, Building relationships outside your department, outside your employer, reading things outside of your specific area of responsibility and assessing yourself, broaden your horizons, broaden your perspective on things, look at things, be willing to look at things a little bit differently. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's applicable to your audience at all ages. Right. So if you are a Gen X or a boomer, do you, you know, same thing. Are you reading or digesting material from younger authors? Are you spending time with people that are much younger or older than you for those different perspectives? One of the things I've always said is that we can all, this is how I got into speaking because someone said to me one time, would you speak at a conference? And I went, Whoa, (laughs) I don't think I'm qualified to speak at a conference. And then I read a quote, 
from from someone I, th I think it was tom peters who said that we can all learn and we can all teach you know we all have something to share even the young people in our profession like you said when you talk about your mentees you learn from them too and uh, that's important for all of us and i think it's also really important particularly where things are right now in the world to realize that it's okay to change your point of view it's okay to change your opinion on something absolutely all right, James, I'll get you out of here on this. Hit me with one extemporaneous off the top of your head, final nugget, one last thought that you'd like to give to our young colleagues. I would just say follow the Resilience Think Tank on, on social media. Um, no, but seriously, you know, <laughs> it, I think it's hard when you're younger and I, I'm dealing with this right now with my two teenage sons that you have a short-term view of things and taking a long-term view is very difficult and not just for young people, but for people of any age. And I think, you know, one of the most powerful things you can do with your career and with your life is to really, you know, broaden that horizon and take a little bit longer view of, of who you are and where you want to be both as a professional and as uh, a person. And, and mine in that same category would be, are you willing to go beyond what's scripted. And here's here's what I mean by that. How many times have you been frustrated when you're on the phone with somebody, a customer service agent, for example, and you ask them a question that they've never gotten before, and there's no critical thought, there's no logical thinking, and they don't know necessarily how to answer you. I've run into that on the job too, where I have people who are relatively young in a particular role, and you ask them something that seems like a relatively legitimate question. And if it's something they've never thought about before, because it doesn't follow their scripted process, they don't have enough critical thinking to be able to handle it. So I would encourage people to think critically, to think logically, to apply that logical thought. Uh, and I think it will uh, go a long way to help. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the whole essence of resilience, right? Resilient mm -hmm. people, resilient organizations, the resilient podcast, the resilient think tank, is about can people, organizations, groups respond to the unknown, respond to things that are not exactly on script. Yeah, I appreciate that. James, thanks for spending a few minutes uh, on the resilient journey. And we look forward to uh, all of the different things that are coming out of uh, the Resilience Think Tank, uh, talking about the next generation of resilience. Thank you, man. Thanks, Mark. I wanna thank James Green for being my guest today. If you know someone who is relatively new to the continuity and resilience world, be sure to share this episode and all of the Resilience Think Tank materials. Remember, we all have a role to play in mentoring the next generation of professionals. Be sure to follow the Resilience Think Tank on Twitter and on LinkedIn. For more on our Q3 initiative, including the article, So You're New to Resilience, check out resiliencethinktank.com. Next week, we continue to broaden our horizons as we dig into business continuity software and why it should be on your radar. So join us, won't you, as we continue our resilient journey.